the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are going to be talking about the reality of who you are. And what you'll find out is that in this R, I'm giving you an acronym. So the reality of who you are, we have A, R, and E. And I'm going to explain those three letters shortly. But first, we're just going to talk about reality for a minute. Now, reality is one of my favorite topics. However, for myself, that has not always been the case. Because I've al- I'm one, like all of us, I don't always like reality and I might not want to be there. But oftentimes, even though reality is very painful, scary, undesirable, sometimes uncertain, the upside to reality is that it is real. It is tangible. It is simply is what it is. So why is reality so important? Well, one of the reasons that we want to talk about reality is that we also know that reality can be an illusion, that we're not always really sure what is it truly real. So when we talk about reality, what we're, what we're wanting to do is we want God's truth to invade our reality. The more of God's truth we have in our reality, the more true our reality is. The more substantive, the more we can depend on it, the more we can believe it. So one of the difficult things about asking God to infuse his truth into our reality is that it may be painful. It may be scary. It may be very uncomfortable. We may have to look at some things that we don't really want to see. We may have to look at things in others that we don't want to see. But most importantly, reality is where God is. And this is very important, that even if my reality is somewhat delusional or it is an illusion to me or I'm not really sure if I'm telling myself stories, if what I'm really thinking or feeling is true. It is my reality, though, and my reality is real to me. And so God is in that reality. If I'm not in reality, then I'm, I'm not going to be with God. This is where we get suicides. And so reality, it's very important because he's not in my coulda, woulda, shouldas, if only then. See, the safest, healthiest, and most helpful hopeful place to be is wherever God is. Even if the reality of that moment is terrible, painful, scary, discouraging, or hurtful, that is where God is. And we have Psalms 23 that tells us this, that yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we are to fear, fear no evil because the Lord is with us. So like I said earlier, believe it or not, most suicides are not based in reality. That decision is made based on a person's perception of themselves, an event, or what they perceive the future to be or not to be. So when I'm dealing with a person that is feeling or struggling 
with this feeling of suicide, the best remedy is to ground them in reality. So you see, reality is contained and controlled by time, and time passes. Nothing stays the same. The only thing that really is permanent and cannot be reworked is death. That's why our hope is always in Romans 8.28. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good. So we may not be able to conceive of a solution or good things, but that's why it's important we stay in reality with God in order to experience it. So what I want you to think about is, don't, don't you think that we owe God that much, that he's willing to be in the reality that I've created? It's important that I be there as well and take responsibility for whatever that reality is. Because if I'm not in reality, I'm also not there to protect what is mine, what I like or what I treasure. I'm also not able to change or improve anything. So if I'm denying reality, if I'm escaping reality, my reality continues to happen. I'm just not there with it, which means I have less control over it. So as we see this, we look at the goal of reality is filling it with truth. This is paramount and of utmost important. When I talk to clients about managing emotions, and I'm sure the, the show w- that we did with managing emotions, I talked about this a great, at great length, that feelings or our reality can be very real to us, but it doesn't make it true. So it doesn't mean we deny it. We have to deal with it. That's the reality that I'm in. That's how I'm feeling. That's what I'm perceiving. That's what my fears are. And so it may not be true. This is why I ask God to come into that reality and explain and help and illumine and enlighten me on what really is true. So if I'm feeling like a failure, let's say I made a horrible, horrible mistake. And so I'm feeling like I'm unlovable. I don't deserve to be in relationship. I don't deserve to have a a, a life worthy of living because I have screwed it up so terribly. Well, what God is going to tell me is I may have made a terrible mistake. But he can forgive all those mistakes, and he can cause a good thing to come out of that if I'm willing to work with him and stick inside of the reality that I'm dealing with and not escape it. So what is reality? Well, this is the definition. The quality of, or fact of being real, a person or thing that is real, in fact, actually. So you are a real person. Now, are you filled with truth? No, we're working on that one. So what is truth? Well, Galatians 2.20 says, I am in fact dying, but in truth, I am living eternally. So this is this issue of reality versus truth. So we are dying, but we are living, and we will live eternally. So we deal with the, the reality of my hum, human, humanness is going to die. That part of my, my body is going to pass, and I have to deal with that aging process, and that is real, and that is true. But the, the real truth that surpasses all that understanding is that even though I die physically, eternally I live. And so even if I'm dying spiritually to self, to thoughts, to feelings, I'm crucifying those, that causes me to actually live. So what's so important about reality? Well, it's the most factual reference point. Jesus came to inhabit physical reality so that he could fill it with truth. And that's important to really realize that Jesus came as a man to inhabit the physical realm that we live in, the earth, a human body, a mind, emotions, feelings, relationships on a human level. So he came to inhabit that physical reality so that he could fill it with truth. Not the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, if only then. 
It is the place to establish real truth. So what would be the downside of reality? Well, maybe there's pain, disappointment, problems. It's scary. Maybe there's a lot of uncertainty. Maybe there's great sadness and heartache. Maybe there is no truth in it either. And that does make it very painful. Because even if I am denying truth and I'm momentarily feeling better, we know what denial does. Denial eventually exposes itself. So the upside of reality is this is where God is. Therefore, it's truly the safest place. It is real, it is authentic, it is tangible and factual. So even if it's scary and painful, even if we are facing a very difficult situation, maybe we're facing a, a truth about ourselves that is seemingly unbearable. Maybe we've got a negative report from a doctor. Maybe we've found out that a loved one of ours is struggling or has passed. Maybe we find out that we're losing a job. The worst thing we could do is try to escape that reality because God is in that reality and he will bring truth to that reality. So what happens if I'm not in reality? Well, like we were speaking um, earlier, suicides. And suicides happen because someone is not grounded in reality. So how do I then manage reality? One of the things we want to talk about is if when I'm not in reality, I am then farther away from the truth. I miss God. I'm more prone to attacks from Satan, others, self. It increases emptiness. It causes a more of a void. When I'm escaping reality, my loneliness gets bigger. There's more abandonment. When I escape reality, I can't experience God's presence, even though he is there. We become more weak. We become more fragile. Then we need to escape more. So the more we try to escape, the more fragile we become in facing reality and truth. Then the more I have to escape, and through, usually doing that through compulsions, addictions, anything that's counterfeit, things that are uh, control issues, because this is one of the ways I'm trying to manage reality by escaping it. So how we manage reality so that I stay there, so that I stay in reality. Well, we're going to talk about what are the rules of management. And this is where the reality of who you are comes in. And A stands for acceptance, R stands for responsibility, and E stands for effort. So the only way for me to truly manage me and the reality of me is first I have to have a very deep level of acceptance. And we've talked about this on other shows, how imperative acceptance is. And I tell you frequently, acceptance is the key to all my problems. Because you see, Christ accepts us completely. God accepts the creation and all that is in it and the people completely. If he didn't accept it, we'd all be dead. This is what he did with Noah. He didn't want to accept that anymore. So he wiped out everybody but nine people. And of course, he saved the animals because we love animals. So what you want to think about is acceptance. This is the key to the foundational process of being able to live in reality is that I accept. Because once I accept, then I'm able to let go. Then I'm able to understand what I can control and what I can't control. And if I'm accepting, then I'm also in the same place that God is. Because God is accepting. It doesn't mean he agrees. It doesn't mean he condones it. It doesn't mean he's going to teach more of it. 
It means that he has to accept where things are right now, truly in reality with, with us right now, in order for us, him to be a change agent. And so I have to accept me completely before I can begin to change. It doesn't mean the acceptance is agreement. It doesn't mean I give myself license to do more of whatever it is I'm doing. It means an acceptance says, hey, I love you enough to accept you and stay with you when you're this messy. And that's what God does for us. He loves us unconditionally. In that unconditional love, it doesn't always mean he has great intimacy with us. Because remember, intimacy is earned. And so I'm earning intimacy, but I have unconditional love. And so I'm loved for who I am, but these behaviors, these problems may get in the way of my intimacy, but it does not decrease my value. So we want to start with this basic level of acceptance and the acceptance of self, a deep acceptance of self, because this is the foundation for living in reality. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, and we will continue to discuss the reality of who you are. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about the reality of who you are. And so we started the show with understanding what reality is. And reality is real, tangible, it's factual. Many times it isn't filled with true facts. But reality is my perceptions, my feelings. This is my reality. And my reality is not always based in truth. So one of the things that we talked about is it's imperative that we ask God that we allow God to infuse truth into our reality and that it's imperative that I stay in my reality and that I don't try to escape it. Because as soon as I escape it, I'm farther away from God because God is in my reality and he's busy working on changing that reality so it is based in truth. So this whole idea of how do I manage reality because reality may not always be comfortable. So we look at the reality of who you are and we see that the word are is A-R-E. And so these are the rules of management. My first rule is acceptance. I accept me. I accept others. I accept the world. I accept God for who he is. I accept my job. I accept my pets. I accept my children. I accept my church. I accept other drivers on the road. I just accept it. It doesn't mean I agree. And this is imperative that you understand that when we are accepting, it doesn't mean we are agreeing. But the acceptance is where God can, can work. And the acceptance allows me to have a base point. When clients come into my office, I immediately accept where they are. Because if I don't, then I'm not in their reality. I'm outside of it, trying to get them to hurry and change. And so I move into their reality, understand it, learn it, accept it, love them in it. And as we do that, we are then able to change. So I first accept myself with deep acceptance, kindness, and love, the same way that God does me. We see this in, in 1 Corinthians, um, the love chapter. He's very patient. He's very kind. He doesn't rejoice when bad things happen to me, even if I deserve them. So he accepts me. So I need to practice that same gesture that God gives to me to myself. If I can't do that, I'm not able to do it for others either. 
So the second letter, which is R, this is responsibility. So we first accept, then we take responsibility. So I take responsibility for my gifts. I take responsibility for my weaknesses. I take responsibility for my successes. I take responsibility for my failures. So in this, this is the, this is the area that taking responsibility for my feelings, my thoughts, my behaviors, the way that I relate, the choices that I make, because as soon as I accept, okay, wow, that wasn't a very good choice. And then I take responsibility for the choice. And I say, okay, now, now, okay, I need to take responsibility for it, even if I don't like the outcome. So I accept where, where that choice led me. I take responsibility for the outcome. And then the last letter is effort. That's E for effort. So what we do with effort is this is what we change what needs to be changed. We protect what is noble, admirable. And we are continuously growing and progressing. So we're accepting who we are. We take responsibility for our gifts and our talents and our weaknesses and our mistakes and our failures. And then we put effort into changing those things that need to be changed. And to protect what is noble, what is righteous, what is good, what is pure, what is holy. And then we continuously grow and progress. And it's imperative that you understand that what we usually try to do is do responsibility and effort first because then we're going to accept ourselves after we've fixed whatever the, the bad thing is and put a whole bunch of effort and work into it. And it doesn't work that way. We have to accept first, then we take responsibility, then we put effort in. This is the way God works with us. He accepted the world. He said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So he accepted the world as it, as it was, seeing that it needed so much help, such a savior. So then he takes complete responsibility for his creation, and then he begins to put effort into changing it. So again, why does God want me in reality? Well, he is there, and he wants to be with us. I can't imagine a God, a perfect, holy, wonderfully loving awesome God who has a great reality, why he would want to be in mine. But he does. So this is where we have the most personal power. If I am in reality, this is where we have access to God's power, his strength, his truth, his love, his acceptance. This is also where we are then not susceptible to deception. If we are not in reality, if we are avoiding escaping our reality, then we are that much more susceptible to hear the lies of the enemy. So if I'm wanting to deny the fact that I made a terrible mistake, I gossiped about somebody, I lied, I, I stole something, I have a terrible addiction, and I want to deny that, I don't want to deal with it, I want to pretend like it's not happening, well, then I'm that much able, more able to hear the lies and the accusations and the condemnation from the enemy because I don't have the protection then from God. So when I am in reality and saying, God, this is, the, this is the real deal. I don't know all the truth about it, but this is really what it is. Then I'm able to receive the acceptance from God, the love, his grace, his mercy, his healing, and I can then affect change. So again, why does the enemy want me to avoid or escape or deny reality? Well, he can't trick, betray, seduce, hurt, or confuse if I'm in truth. See, if I'm escaping and avoiding, he can steal from me. He can cause me to believe all those coulda, shoulda, wouldas, if only then. He can get me off track 
working for people, places, things that God has not prepared me to do, telling me all kinds of lies about how great this would be, maybe puffing up my ego. Imagine if I believed, now you haven't seen me, but you know that from my voice that I'm a woman, and I'm not necessarily a very big one, but imagine if I I believed I could be an NFL player, and I spent years wasting time working on that, spend tons of money with trainers, weight trainers, all kinds, you know, coaches, and then I eventually quit because obviously I'm not going to be an NFL football player. But because I believed I could be one and I put all that time and effort into it, then I eventually had to quit, well, now I feel like a failure. Do you see how ridiculous this is? If we are not in truth with God, if we are believing lies about ourselves, what our family has told us, what the culture tells us, what friends, family, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends may tell us about who we are, if they don't know who we are either, or if they're wanting us to be something else, and we are not in reality with God, then I will begin to make radical changes about myself that gets me that much farther off track. You see, if Satan can get you off track, then you don't fulfill your calling. The, very, the primary reason for your creation is the unique call that God has on your life. You are needed by God. Therefore, you must establish reference points like a plumb line so that you know your own reality is true. So if Satan can't kill you, he will destroy you, and he will steal your calling. So it's imperative that we be courageous, that we be bold, that we be brave, and we be in the reality that we are in, and we ask for God's truth so that we can change whatever needs to be changed. So we are going to be coming up on a break in a minute. So I kind of want to reiterate again the importance of acceptance. Because this is why the enemy hates it when you are in truth. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, and we will talk about the reality of identity in who you are. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. We have been talking about reality, the reality of who you are, and reality versus truth. So we are talking about this idea that we need to to be in the reality that we're in and not escaping it or avoiding it or denying it. And it's scary sometimes to be in our reality because as you're listening to this show, your reality right now may not be very good. It may be very painful. It may be very scary. You may be facing some really big things. You may have a really big heartache. You may have some very grave concerns about family members, children, yourself. You may be facing losing a job. You may just feel like you're not lovable. You just may feel so lonely and feeling like nobody loves you, wants to be with you. And that may be your reality. But what, we, what we're understanding is that our reality is not always true. It doesn't mean that I'm telling you you're walking around delusional. It does mean that our reality is based up in, with based in many things, it has to do with our feelings, our perceptions, our experiences. So we are wanting God to infuse truth into our reality. That's the safest place that we could be, is with God in our reality, and He can then bring truth and whatever appropriate change needs to happen. 
So when we look at the reality of who you are, those are those three letters, A-R-E, we talked about acceptance, responsibility, and effort. So acceptance is paramount. That is the foundation for being able to take responsibility and then put effort into it. So whatever your situation is today, you need to accept it completely. It doesn't mean you agree with it or like it or condone it or want to continue in it, but we have to have a starting point. And so we accept it. Then we take responsibility for what it is, knowing that God is right there with us doing the same thing. He is accepting and taking responsibility because we belong to him. So we are his responsibility, just like parents are with kids. It doesn't mean they can fix everything or do it for them, but they are with them. So then we're putting effort in. So when we look at this idea of acceptance, responsibility, and effort, we can look at identity. And, and the way that human beings are made up, are very, we are very complex, but we do have five realms that we operate within. We have our physical realm, our intellectual realm, our, our psychological, emotional realm, our spiritual realm, and then we have social. And so when we look at how am I going to take responsibility for me, well, I'm going to say in my physical world, I'm going to do that. In my emotions, I'm going to do this. In my spirit, I'm going to do this. In my intellect and socially. So I'm sure you get a lot of input about who you should be, who you could be, who you would be. That's why we want to learn these three simple principles of reality when discovering your identity. So understand that identity is very complicated, but I'm going to attempt to simplify it without completely uh, diffusing it. So there are many ways to explain identity, but I think this particular approach will be very beneficial. So think, think, of a metaf- think of the metaphor of a stained glass window and the light of Christ shines through us. So if I have my own unique stained glass window, that, that whatever that looks like, whatever God put together, and the light of Christ shines through me, it's the same light, but the effect is very different. So it's like different panes of glasses as in a, in a human being. So we want the light of Christ to shine through us in a very unique way because we, can, we affect our world very uniquely. So in order to be all God intends us to be, we must fully develop all sides of our being. And all these areas combined make up our unique and original identity. So if I'm to honestly discover the identity that God is seeking to establish in me, it would be logical and most beneficial to look at it through the lens of reality. So this first principle of reality is acceptance. So I must accept how God made me physically. One of the most tempting issues in this area is to overly concentrate on our physical attributes and to place more importance on them. My physical appearance can be a great distraction from working on other areas because I either like my physical appearance too much, place too much value on it, or I hate it and get bogged down with all the negativity that goes with it. What my body and I do or what it looks like is one part or facet to who I am. So I want to give you this verse that was very poignant to me many years ago because I used to complain to God about how I looked all the time. I complained relentlessly. Why didn't you make me like this? I wish I had this. Why couldn't I have this kind of hair? Why wasn't I taller? Why wasn't I thinner? Why wasn't I bigger? Why wasn't I whatever, different color, whatever that I would complain. And so as I was reading through the Bible one day, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you get, it's like, feel like, like a verse hits you like a Mack truck. And it was Romans nine twenty, And it says, who are you, O man, to talk back to God and say, why did you make me like this? Now, God is usually very gentle with me because I'm kind of sensitive. But that hit me hard 
He said, who are you to talk back to me and say, why did you make me like this? And so from then on, I realized the gift of acceptance, that I needed to accept the way God made me, that he likes it. So join me in this last segment, and we are going to complete this reality of who you are. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking about reality versus truth, the reality of who you are. And this is acceptance, responsibility, and effort. A-R-E. These are the rules of management when it comes to reality. Reality, we need to have complete 100% acceptance. Then we take responsibility for it. Then we put effort into it. Realizing that the best place to be is in reality because this is where God is. Even though it may not be filled completely with truth, this is where God is. He came physically to the planet to inhabit that physical reality so that he would be there in reality with us. So he is globally in reality and he is personally in reality with each of us. So we were talking about the first one we have to take responsibility for. As we have accepted is our physical realm. And so I was talking in the last segment about this time that God, I would say, probably rebuked me pretty strongly because I had been complaining about my physical appearance for almost my entire life. And I think I was in my mid-20s at this time. And God said to me in Romans 9.20, who are you, Cynthia, to talk back to God, to talk back to me and say, why did you make me like this? And it hit me, wow, that was one of my first lessons of acceptance. That he says, you know, you don't have to like how, you, how I made you, but you need to accept it and stop trying to change what I made. Now, take care of it. Have, it. have it look the way that he planned for me to look? Absolutely. I need to take responsibility and put effort into my physical appearance, into taking care of, the, of my body so that my mind can work so that I'm taking care of me, so that I don't put others in a position to have to inadvertently have to care for me or inappropriately care for me because I have not cared for myself. So it is paramount, paramount that I accept how I look, how he made me, what size, what shape, what color, what, however big or small or tall, what eye color, what kind of hair I have, because I always wanted really big hair, and he did not give me really big hair. So I had to accept this is how God made me. When he designed me, he liked it. He said it is good. And so he wants me to accept this. Now, it would be, he certainly would like it if I enjoyed myself as much as he did because that gives me peace. But he's even saying to me, you don't even have to like it. Don't complain to me about it, though. Don't complain and take care of it. That's part of me being responsible. That's me putting effort into me because I am loved by God and I am his creation. It's kind of like the, the metaphor, I, I'm a songwriter as well. So I, I imagine, I have all these different songs for all these different occasions. And sometimes I might play one song frequently because it's kind of a general all-use all song. Maybe I have one song that really is only for very, very specific occasions. But imagine if these songs were talking to one another, complaining about, why do I have to sound like this? How come she never plays me? Why does she play me all the time? I wish I sounded like number 13. Or song number 18 says, 
Hey, did you hear song number 12? What kind of song is that? So you see, God, we are creations that God has made. And he wants us to accept the way that we look and who we are. So this is hard many times, but I had to accept that I'm a creation. And you are, you are as well. So as we go to the next section, right? This is the psychological, emotional realm. So feelings are a huge, very significant part of my identity because I'm made in the image of God, and he is very, very, very emotional. He has very big feelings. He gives us feelings in order to be able to experience our world and be in relationship with others, as well as experience intimacy in those relationships. So we were saying earlier in the show this, this saying that I give clients all the time, and that is feelings are very real but not always true. So we don't choose to feel a, way, a certain way initially. If I could choose how to feel, I'd be happy all the time. I do, however, choose whether or not I can intensify that feeling, whether I can elongate that feeling. So that I, I need to put effort into. So I need to accept my feelings, just how they are, not judge them, not condemn them. Then I need to take responsibility. So if I feel really angry, I need to take responsibility for that feeling. And then I put effort into managing that feeling. Because if I think more angry thoughts and rehash and reanalyze and go over and remind myself repeatedly what that person did to cause me to be angry, I'm going to get angrier. I'm going to cause that feeling to last longer. If I have a feeling of love for someone, then I accept that feeling. I take responsibility for that feeling. And so if this is love for my husband, then I, I think, wow, I love him. Well, I'm going to think thoughts and think in ways and do actions that cause me to love him more. So I put effort into these feelings. So it's important if I have loving feelings that I put effort into expressing that feeling. If I have angry feelings, I put effort into diffusing them, to, into resolving them. And so that may mean that I need to do some physical exercise. I may need to meditate. I may need to do some journaling. I may need to go talk with someone. I may need to confront someone. But as I take responsibility, I need to put effort because our feelings are a part of our identity, and they need to be expressed. So if we look at our spiritual life, well, this is going to go on forever. That's the part of my identity that is eternal, as, as, our, as is my soul as well, infused with my spirit. But it's important that we understand that this part of us, our spirituality, this is the new creation that God has made. And so we don't cop out and just develop our spirituality by saying, you know, what would Jesus do? I mean, that's a great place to start. But it's important that I say, okay, I'm a spiritual being. So that's a, kind of an esoteric concept, which many times is for, for some more than others is a little bit more difficult to kind of grasp. But one of the best ways that we, that we start to take responsibility for our spirituality is we accept where we are spiritually now. Well, if where I am right now is kind of spiritually dead, or maybe I'm a new believer and I'm really not getting this whole thing, maybe my tendency is to want to be more spiritual and not intellectual. So I accept who I am spiritually. And then I take responsibility for it and I say, you know, here's the areas in my spiritual life that I need to take responsibility for. I'm really good about praying and listening to praise and worship music, but I don't like to study the Bible. Or I really like to study the Bible, but I don't really like to pray or pray for people 
or I don't want to really deal with the Holy Spirit. I just want to, I just want to intellectually give my, myself knowledge. So we want to really look at our spiritual life and say to God, what do you want to do with me spiritually so that I can do the calling that you have created me to, to do? So the best thing that we do when we take responsibility for our spiritual life is the one effort that you all can do that is one of the hardest things for us to do is to ask. We just say to God, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't hear you. I don't know how to see you. I feel ridiculous doing these things. I don't know who you are. Please help me. Help me do that. You made me. You know who I am. You know spiritually how to connect me with you and how to connect me with others. You know how to grow that part of my life, Lord. I don't know how to do that. So instead of avoiding it, denying it, hoping magically it will happen someday, right? We put that effort. So that's the biggest step. And then God helps with the momentum. He loves it when people pray to him and say those things. That makes his day. So when we reach out to God and we say, I don't know who I am, or I don't know who you are, and I can't hear you, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to study the Bible. I read it, it doesn't do anything for me. Those things, you just tell him. Because you have those thoughts, just direct them to him. Because many times we think all kinds of things, and God hears all those thoughts. It's kind of like if you and I were sitting in a room, and I was talking out loud, and you were sitting right there, but I didn't really believe or think that you heard what I was saying. Well, this is how God is. He's hearing all of this. We might as well direct it to him. So this next part is the intellectual and cognitive realm. So here, our mind either works for us or against us. And I I tell clients all day, your mind needs to work for you. Your brain needs to work for you. You don't work for it. Because our brain is like any other organ in the body. It has a very specific job, but it is not who we are. See, our minds are a part of the cognitive process in our brains as well as our soul and our spirit. So it's, it's important that we understand when God says our mind is at enmity with him, it's our mind is very arrogant and our mind wants to do self-will and our mind is talking a lot to us. And this is where we talk back and forth with the enemy and many times don't know we're doing it. This is where we're listening to the enemy. He's putting thoughts, he's whispering to us, he's nudging us, he's overwhelming us, he's oppressing us. And so it's very important that we understand our minds That's the command center of who we are. This is where we need to be very disciplined. We need to be very disciplined in what we do with our minds. What do we allow ourselves to think about? What kinds of things do we put into our minds? What kinds of books are we reading? What shows are we watching? What what is the content of our conversations with others? Because that's what's going into our mind. It's kind of like the internet. Once it's out, once once it's in there, you can't get it back. You can't get it out. It just stays there. It floats around forever in that web. So if you think of the the fact that your mind is like a computer, you need to understand its potential. And so it can be a source of extreme frustration because if I don't protect my mind, it's kind of like not having antivirus on your computer. Or it's kind of like in your family of origin, um, we've talked about this before in codependency, I get programs installed into me that just automatically run. So one of the things when we're working with our spiritual realm, our spirit, that, that part that is connected to God, helps us to see our thoughts 
and helps us to discern whether those thoughts are true, whether those thoughts are good, holy, pure, righteous. That's that Philippians 4, 8 that says, think on these things, those things that are good, righteous, pure, holy, good repute. That This is what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to take back our mind and we're wanting to be in charge of how we think. So the enemy wants to infect our minds. So I have to disable programs that say things to me like, you're unwanted, you're unlovable, you're unlovely, you're a failure, you're a loser, you're fat, you're ugly. We need to uninstall these. We need to take those thoughts captive. And so we have these these wonderful verses that give us this ability to do this. So as we look at acceptance of our mind, we also look at this last part, which is socially. And we are social beings. So I need to accept, am I an introvert or am I, I am an extrovert? Do I have a tendency when I socialize to start talking too much and I, I tell too many things? Or am, am I more introverted and have a hard time socializing? And so many times we, we don't understand that there are some basic hardwirings of the way that God has made us as we are social beings, but we need to socialize. And so it's imperative that we learn communication skills, that we accept what our weaknesses are, that we learn how to be a part of the body of Christ, how to be in unity with one another, how to live at peace. So maybe my effort is to overcome my anxieties. Maybe it's to learn to be more transparent. Maybe the effort for me socially is not to be so moved by peer pressure so that I can only hang around Christians and God can't trust me in other places. So I want to leave you with this verse as we talk about the reality of who you are. You do acceptance, responsibility, and effort. Acceptance, key to all my problems. This is the main thing. And then Colossians 1.23 says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So what are the truths about me that I need to contain? What is the reality that I need to embrace? And the truth about you is that you are wanted, you are loved, you are unique, and there's a very specific reason that you were created. And that's what you want to take responsibility for and put effort in. So as you start your acceptance process, you ask the Holy Spirit to help you hear his truth. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week, and we are going to be talking about the need to look inside and introspect with a fearless moral inventory. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.